Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Catch Up with Louise Makshari. This is the podcast where I try and catch you up in the week, even if you have completely disengaged. Perhaps you have spent the week sitting in your back garden in a bikini, if you have more power to you. Um, then I can catch you up on the news, on entertainment, on a little bit of culture, on all the stuff that's been going on over the course of the week. Um, it would be totally understandable if you were sitting out in the, your back garden for the entire week because it has been hot, to state the obvious. And I don't know how many times I said to someone, God, it's really hot, isn't it? And then I felt like an idiot because obviously we all knew that it was very warm. Um, I found myself thinking a lot about my body this week. Um, I don't know if you followed me for a long time, you'll know that I, like many people, have been on a huge journey in terms of the way I feel about my body and um, accepting my body um, as a fat person and I have always been fat although sometimes I look back at photos of myself when I thought I was really fat and I actually was barely fat at all but anyway I was a big kid I was a big teenager and I am a big adult and it's been quite a journey and I've worked really hard to try and unlearn some of the negative things I was taught to feel about myself by the society that we all exist in Um, and in fact I wrote my book um, six years ago fat chance seven years ago really I wrote it fat chance which um was about loads of different things but partially about that body stuff as well Um, and I was in such a good place then and I was looking down at my legs this week as I was wearing my shorts and I was thinking god isn't it great that I wear shorts now like I did you know once upon a time I would have been in this hot weather and I would have had a cardigan on and I would have been wearing black tights (laughs) like you know I might have been wearing a dress but I would have had my opaque tights on because god forbid anyone should see my legs and you know god forbid anyone should see my arms above the elbow you know all of these rules I had for myself and I was thinking how great it is that I don't live by those rules anymore but at the same time I have been really struggling recently with body image Um, I've been having a really hard time I've been having feelings that I haven't had you know in about seven years Um, feelings of real kind of revulsion with myself and a, a, a real lack of compassion for myself and you know, at times, honestly, I found it hard to kind of walk out the front door or go and enjoy my life because these negative thoughts about myself 
purely based on my body's appearance have been occupying such a huge portion of my mind and it's a horrible reminder of the way that I used to live and it's a real struggle Um, and I wanted to kind of acknowledge it this week because you know as someone who I suppose has spent years now encouraging women to try and feel a bit better about themselves and to you know maybe disconnect from you know their sense of value being connected to their physical being um I think sometimes think people think that I'm like the finished product um and and I don't think that there is a finished product when it comes to body stuff I don't think that you could possibly ever get to the point where you're like oh that's great now I love my body because we still live in a society that teaches us that to live in a bigger body is wrong like we are constantly told that we should be working toward a smaller body that you know a smaller body is better that we're unhealthy automatically if we have a bigger body you know there's so much negativity beamed into us as larger people that like you know you're gonna struggle sometimes because you're still receiving those messages every day and it's a constant battle like I think you have to really work at it to fight against that stuff and even if you know rationally as I do that you know when I die people aren't gonna talk about the size of my body they'll talk about the impact that I had they'll talk about you know my friends will talk about our relationships my children will talk about me as a mother like it won't be about my body that's not what I'm here for on this planet I'm not here for show I'm here to live Um, and even though I know that all rationally and I've literally written a book about it still sometimes the negative thoughts get in there and they outweigh the positive Um, and I want to acknowledge it because I think that probably there are lots of people who who feel the same way and I think post-COVID in this really hot summer is a particularly difficult time because our bodies have changed most of us over the last couple of years and I think hot weather kind of forces you to confront yourself in a different way Um, but that doesn't mean that I have to stay like this or that you have to stay in a negative space about your body because you know I wasted so many years just not doing things, not living the way that I wanted to, not wearing the shorts because I was so concerned about how I looked or what other people might think of me. I certainly don't want to go back there. So what does that mean for me? How do I how do I kind of try and get out of this negative headspace? Well, there's loads of things that I do. One of the things that I do is I redress who I'm following on social media. That's a huge game changer, I think. If you're following people who are, you know, a totally different body type than you, who you spend your day looking at and thinking they're beautiful. And then when you look in the mirror, you see yourself and it's totally different. I think that can have a really negative impact on your life. So I would encourage you to follow people with body types that are similar to you, people who look great, people who dress great, people who feel great. And obviously I don't think anybody feels great all the time, but you know what I mean. Um, And there are lots of brilliant plus size content creators out there or whatever size you are, you know, find people who look like you and that's number one that really helps number two you know read stuff by people with bodies like yours read the things that maybe have made you feel a bit better reread them I'm gonna go back and read my own book (laughs) and I know that sounds obnoxious but like you know I felt good then I was in a good headspace I'm gonna try and remind myself of what I felt like Um, and then the third thing is to try and remind myself to have a bit of compassion for myself you know to think literally like of course my body has changed I've had two kids I've lived through a pandemic 
I live a great life, which, you know, also includes wine and delicious food. And, you know, sometimes that means that your body's going to get a bit bigger and that's okay. And I need to remind myself of that. Um, And also I need to take care of myself, you know, in a physical way. And I'm not talking about weight loss at all, but I, you know, I haven't been moving my body really much at all because I've been working from home and I you know some days I sit at this table that I'm sitting at right now and I sit here from start of the day to the end of the day and that doesn't make me feel good in my physical self so I've got to get out for a walk sometimes and you know I know that if I'm not you know I have a tendency to kind of forget to eat which I know a lot of people who have stereotypical thoughts about bigger people will find hard to believe but that's my issue is that I might not eat until one o'clock and then my body isn't nourished of course and you know so I need to get back to nourishing myself in my mind the way that I've just described and in my body and that is that is not about restricting food that's not about dieting it's not about any of that stuff it's literally about taking care of myself nourishing my body giving my body what it needs and giving my mind what it needs to get myself back to a good place but it's going to be a conscious effort you know it doesn't come easy when you're fighting all of the negativity that gets beamed at us when it comes to our bodies and our physical selves. And it doesn't, as I said, it doesn't matter how much you know rationally that that's not the most important thing. Sometimes it gets in on you. So if you've been feeling a little bit of that lately, I just want you to know that you're not alone. Um, I'm right there with you and no one is immune to it, I don't think. Uh, maybe there's one or two exceptions to that rule, but I think most of us have our days where we don't feel so good. But I'm not going to let that dictate my life. And it's been getting into me in that way recently. And I hope that you won't too. So there you go. Whatever you do, try not to be too hard on yourself because life is hard enough. Now let's get on with the podcast. This week's podcast is going to take a slightly different shape because this week I did an interview um, with the wonderful Daisy Edgar-Jones. She is obviously was Mariana Normal People and she is the lead in Where the Crawdads Sing, the adaptation of the Delia Owens book. And I was supposed to have 10 minutes with her, which already was a little bit less than I would normally do. And then there was a mix up. So I actually only ended up getting five minutes with her. So it's not a full interview, but I've got a five minute chat with Daisy Edgar Jones um, in the middle of this episode. And I that meant I got to spend a little bit longer on the news and a little bit longer on the entertainment stories with Cassie later on. So um, I hope you enjoy it. I think there's a lot of good stories around this week. So I think it is it is entertaining anyway. So let's get on with it. Let's talk about this week's news with Eva Moore. Aoife Moore, beaming into us from a cottage in County Clare, how are you? <laughs> Up the banner. Um, you're writing, obviously you're working on a book at the moment, so you've sequestered yourself away from your social life to write. Is it very wholesome yeah. there? It's so wholesome. I'm in the second best county in Ireland. I'm in a <laughs> cottage by the sea. I am both the man and woman in the film Misery. <laughs> I am the author. <laughs> I am the author and also the crazy lady making the author write the book. Um, So I'm here all week writing my book, which has taken over my life. Yes, that's what happens when you write a book. It is no joke. People say to me all the time, would you write another book? And I'm like, no, No. (laughs) it's so hard. People keep saying to me like, oh, once you write one, you know, you're just dying to write another one. I was like. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> that is not my experience. I Although I will say, this. like, the release period is good. And like, you know, I can see how you could convince yourself in the very immediate aftermath of the book coming out when you're still high on like people reading it and stuff. I can see mm-hmm. that you might convince yourself that it's a good idea to do it again. But I... Uh, the only thing no. that's keeping me going is I keep thinking about the outfits I'm going to wear to the launches. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we love you. 
because very serious political mind here worried about what uh, dresses she's going to wear to her book launches that's the beauty of Eva Moore um, and that's why we're so lucky to have you. Um, okay, let's get going because we've got a lot of news to talk about this week. And we're going to start with the weather because it was obviously a mad weather week um, and it impacted Probably. Europe in a big way. And obviously, you know, we have to acknowledge that climate change was at the root of it. It was it was too hot. Anyone with a set of boobs will tell you it was <laughs> it was too hot this week. Yeah. We know, um, despite everyone, you know, getting the good weather and going to the beach, this is a climate emergency and this is going to be the coldest summer in your memory from here on out. There was a new report um, from the Climate Change Advisory Council this week that said Ireland is not prepared for the current climate or the much worse future heat waves and everything that comes along with that, you know, like flooding, coastal surges, all that sort of stuff. We're going to see a lot more frequent extreme weather and we're just not at all prepped for it because our weather has been relatively stable um, up until now. Ireland recorded its hottest temperature in 135 years on Monday. It was 33 degrees. Mm. 33 degrees in Ireland. It should not be 33 degrees in Ireland. I remember going to Spain as a child and it being 33 degrees and being yeah. like, this is too hot for Spain. Yeah. So too hot for Spain. It's definitely too hot for Ireland. Uh, England also had their hottest day uh, of 40 degrees. That's just, I mean, it's mad. Like 40 degrees, as you say, if you were going on holiday in Spain and the temperature said 40, you'd be like, oh, that's too hot. In when England? I lived in Melbourne on New Year's Eve, it was 40 degrees and it was so hot, I nearly threw up. So, <laughs> like, there was wildfires in Essex. It's crazy. So we're used to seeing wildfires in America, Australia, Greece. And don't get me wrong, there are still wildfires in those places, but there was wildfires in Dagenham. Houses burned down in Dagenham in Essex. People's cars burned out. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But this is the future now. What we need to see is proper dedication to climate. And what I am increasingly worried about, and climate scientists are increasingly worried about, is the cost of living crisis and the war in Ukraine has shown people what tackling climate change might cost and people don't want to do it anymore. Mm. You know, the cost of petrol and gas is going up. People keep on using it uh, because they have to, because there's no alternatives. This is what a just transition would yeah, be Yeah, there has to be investment in alternatives. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. Like I, I, I drove an electric car. I just had to give it back and I'm I'm, I've decided I'm getting another one and um, I was doing some work with uh, Nifty this car that does personal leasing of electric mm -hmm. cars in Ireland so I had an electric car from August of last year until the until now this week and um, I filled our our primary car you know the car that we've had all along with petrol for the first time since last August this week mm -hmm. and I was yes very shocked by mm -hmm. the cost of petrol and um, I knew like obviously I'd read about it and stuff but still you know when it's 100 euro from 70 euro as it was last yeah. August you know you really see how stark it is and but it just made me realize like I've been using this electric car and I know that electric cars are not completely flawless when it comes to their environmental mm -hmm. impact but they're significantly better than cars that use fossil yeah. fuels and you know, I was just like, why we all should be driving electric cars? Like, there's just no reason not to. But that takes investment in the infrastructure. And it takes investment so in grants, exactly, and making sure that people can afford them. But like, that is a small price to pay when you are literally talking about your grandchildren potentially burning mm -hmm. alive. Yeah, this is the thing, you know, governments claim to be, and it's not just the Irish government, it's governments across Western Europe, they claim to be 
invested in the climate and they recognize there's a climate emergency but nobody wants to say the unpopular thing mm. and the unpopular thing is we need to spend a lot of money yeah. to save the planet and, and not just I realize it's not just about sexy things like electric cars like I know there's a lot more to it but we need commitments as well at a corporate level from you know some of the biggest companies in the world that they're going to make a change mm-hmm. and it's hard to imagine that that's going to happen anytime soon but look we can hope and we can do our best as individuals because, you know, look. Just give people trying our best. I know that us using, you know, bamboo straws is not going to offset Kylie Jenner's 30-minute trips in her private jet. Oh, don't even. Which I know we'll we'll talk about later on in the episode uh, when I chat to Cassie about the entertainment stories of the week. But, you know, it's still, I think, even just to make an example for our children and to 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 just feel like you're doing something like you know the little changes do make a difference although I will I mean I will fight to the death that paper straws are not the way forward bamboo please no, so not. much better and um, I'm sure I'm sure someone's gonna message me now and be like well bamboo straws are actually really bad as well but look you know we just have to keep taking steps forward is what I'm saying um okay uh, now let's talk about UK politics because obviously um last week's hellfire <laughs> continues the Brits never not at it you should so, just get that tattooed on your forehead. I know. So the Tory leadership campaign is now down to two candidates. Um, this is so fast moving that from yesterday when you sent me these news topics, I had to throw away the thing you sent me and go and find a new one because it's I had a feeling that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the two final candidates in the Tory leadership campaign are uh, the current former foreign secretary, a woman called Liz Truss. Um, and Rishi Sunak, who was the Chancellor of the Exchequer and is the richest man in the House of Commons. So these two... Um, you couldn't hear me, are, but my eyes rolled there, just yeah, saying. Um, these two are quite um, different. And Liz Truss was very much in Boris Johnson's camp. She refused in the debate the other day to say whether Boris Johnson had done anything wrong. Mm. Yeah. She, um, I'm sure everyone's seen it, but there's a viral video going around of her kind of best bits in UK politics. And it is, I, I would urge everyone to watch it. It is absolute comedy gold. She does have this ability, you know, she's just very gaff prone. Rishi Sunak, on the other hand, you know, he seems very, he, see, he portrays this um, air of, you know, very sensible. He was the chancellor. Um, you know, obviously they're both Oxford educated. Um, she, Liz Truss, dictated a kind of negative campaign. She at one point <laughs> tried to insinuate that Rishi Sunak was a socialist. Uh, I despair. Um, yeah. They are both um, now going forward. Um, we talked about this before, but um, it's basically a couple of thousand Tory uh, members that will pick the next pre- the Prime Minister of Britain. Um, so it's around 160,000 fee-paying members, half aged over 60, 97% white and skewing from Maine from Southern England and they will vote at the end of next month. Oh good, something to look forward to. Um, meanwhile, Boris Johnson did his last Prime Minister's questions this week and he went out just as I suppose you would expect. I mean, what did anyone expect? Obviously he was going to be ridiculous and arrogant. Like, I mean, that's who he is. So, <laughs> Boris Johnson's last PMQs, he declared his mission largely accomplished. 
No mention of the parties that he held during lockdown. No mention of the fact he was a prime minister and was found to be breaking the law and was fined. No mention of the COVID handling. No mention of the cost of living crisis. He... No mention of the ignoring allegations of sexual misconduct and promoting people anyway. Mission accomplished, Louise. Mission accomplished. So his advice for his successor was... um, Oh, God, this is laughable. Stay close to the Americans, stick up for the Ukrainians, cut taxes, deregulate where possible, and focus on the re- rear the road ahead, but always remember to check the rear mirror. What utter tripe. So as he was leaving, he did finger guns <laughs> and said, hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> like this man. How did he get to the, like, how did he get to be who he is? Like, how did he just went from one fiasco, one inappropriate comment, one offensive column to the next and ended up being the leader of the United Kingdom? Like, how? Politics is broken. Oh, so broken. Um, he'll, Boris will stay in the post until early September when the successor is elected. But because the Houses of Parliament went under recess, that was his last um, PMQs. Almost all of the Conservative MPs stood up um, and gave him like a stand innovation and clapped, apart <laughs> apart from problematic Queen Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> who did not clap, um, but who did eventually um, stand up. I would say Rishi Sunak does seem to be the favorite um which would mark a change absolutely um in the conservative party in british history as well you know he's southeast asian descent so that would be a first for britain i think you know although that's something that should be uh welcomed um neither of these candidates um will do much of anything to repair relations between Britain and Ireland. Um, for our part, Liz Truss is currently the foreign secretary and has been found to be an incredibly difficult person to work with when it comes to Brexit and the Northern Ireland Protocol. Mm. I would imagine if the politicians in Dublin had a choice, neither would be probably the choice that they would pick, but I think they would pick Rishi Sunak as he does seem to be a bit more sensible than Liz Truss on mm. all matters, but when it comes to Brexit, I think that's who we'll be pushing for. Okay. Um, moving to the US, this week the US passed a law to protect same-sex marriage from the Supreme Court. Yeah, well, as we know, the Supreme Court has um, been off on one um, yeah. for the last couple of months. Um, and we saw and we spoke recently about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. So the House, there had been concerns that other equality legislation would also be overturned now um things like interracial marriage and marriage equality things that you know we thought were set in stone in america you know everything's up for grabs now so the u.s house passed a bill protecting the right to same-sex marriage and interracial marriages can't believe it's 2022 and we have to have this conversation i know the fact that interracial marriage is even in the conversation is wild i mean it's Um, all wild 47 um, House Republicans supported the legislation, um, but more than three quarters of House Republicans voted against the bill. Um, Some of them didn't give a reason at all. Some of them said that it was a political charade. All 220 House Democrats supported the bill, but it'll now go to the Senate. The Senate has a majority of Republicans, and it looks like it's probably going to be blocked in 
the Senate. Mm-hmm. So some Republicans said that they weren't going to bother voting for it because they said, you know, it's political posture and from the Democrats and that these rights themselves are not actually under attack. You know, they're a political charade. It's political messaging. And one Josh Hawley senator from Missouri said, I don't think the Supreme Court is going to overturn any of that stuff. Where did we hear that before? Yeah, I was just going to say, how could you possibly be confident about that? Like, you can't be. You can't be. Um, but, you know, it's already been said by Justice Clarence Thomas, who is very much seen as like the villain of the Supreme Court. He said that other rulings similarly wrote, including those around same-sex marriage and the right for couples to use contraception, should be reconsidered. Yeah, and Ted so Cruz. The justices themselves are saying Yeah, it. and Ted Cruz, who obviously is a, a Republican senator from Texas, you probably have heard about him if you follow this stuff at all. Like, he said over I the weekend... He's a certain villain, but he's, he hasn't even a smart to be a No, he's villain. not. But he said over the weekend that the Supreme Court's decision protecting marriage equality was clearly wrong and that state legislature should visit the issue so this is already up for conversation do you know what I mean this isn't like some like pie in the sky thing that has been plucked out that's like oh we better protect this to look good no like this is a real fear it's also not politically expedient I don't understand because like the latest poll in June showed that the support for same-sex marriage is at 70 percent with U.S. adults in that's Republicans and Democrats Mm. the poll showed the majority support among both Democrats was 83 percent and Republicans is 55%. Mm. So it's not even, you, they're playing to a very small base here. It's, it's like, weird. It's tiny ultra-Christian base. It's Gilead. <laughs> but but those that base is very loud and has a lot of money. Yeah, this is the problem. Um. Okay, uh, before I let you go, I think this is good news. And I do like to try to find some good news. Um, and there is going to be a new SBHE syllabus, which is uh, social... Baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, what is uh, what does SPH social, personal and health education? And so this is yeah. basically the way that young people are taught about sex and relationships in school. And I didn't realize this, that it hadn't been overhauled since the year 2000. Yeah, and the church had a say in it then as well. But that's just um, wild. I mean, even if you if you just think about it from the perspective of like in the year 2000, that was the year uh, I was in sixth I year. I was nine. Yeah, shut up. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't mean that. Um, but that was the year I was in sixth year. Like, you know, we had only just gotten mobile phones. Like smartphones weren't a thing. Apps weren't a thing. Like social media wasn't a thing, you know, so. Internet porn would even have been in its No, exa- again, exactly. Yeah. So like relationships still, have changed. You know, finding porn magazines in a hedge. <laughs> under under someone's mattress in your house perhaps you know you never know um but yeah like things have changed so much so it is time that there's an overhaul mm-hmm. and I think this is great news this is great news so there was a review of the sex education curriculum in 2019 and it concluded that most students experience of sex education to date could be summed up as being too little too late and too biological mm-hmm. so this recommendation has come to the department of education and it recommends taking into account issues such as consent the effects of pornography, sexual expectations, relationships, and LGBT matters. I would love to know what LGBT <laughs> matters are, but there you are. Um, so the curriculum um, has now gone out for consultation, and this is open for 12 weeks. Um, the draft review said, you know, it'll cover consent, gender, stereotype, and well-being relationships, pornography, and the sharing of sexual images, which I think is a really big deal. Yeah. 
Norma Foley, you know, made the point, the education minister made the point, you know, this is a very complex world now that I think even teachers would be quite surprised about what's kind of going on. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all part of the government's zero tolerance strategy to tackle domestic and gender-based violence. And this is all part of it. I think, you know, it's all good to say we're going to open X amount of refuges and we're going to do you know they give out x, x amount of counseling to prisoners but i think it has to start from the ground up yeah so we have to get to the root of the problem a hundred percent a hundred percent and like you know we're even seeing i've seen in the criticism of like love island this week that like you know still adults young adults are are operating in a questionable way within their relationships so like until we start from the very bottom and you know i mm-hmm. for me personally and i know i always wang on about this but like you know consent education has already begun in my house it began like <laughs> you know, the minute my kids had free will, um, mm-hmm. like at an appropriate level, obviously, um, you know, that's how it has to be from, we need to be get, getting it from the root. Yeah. And I would say there has been some really scaremongering headlines this yes, week. I saw um, that. And I would also point out, and I say this all the time, journalists do not pack the headlines. Mm. Do not come for a journalist about the headline. We don't write the headlines. But there was a number of scaremongering headlines this week saying porn is going to be studied in schools porn is not going to be studied in schools what they're going to do is explain what porn is and explain that porn is not like real life yeah it is damaging porn can be great obviously but it has damaging outcomes the young men and young women yeah that's what we have to talk about and until ireland gets out of this pear clutching mentality of oh my god dirty stuff yeah <laughs> we're never going to get out of you know the kind of sexist culture that we have created but also all all of the statistics all of the research on the way young people and children let's be honest interact with pornography now because studies Mm -hmm. show that it's like you know most 10 year olds yeah Mm -hmm. are have already experienced it in some way shape or form like you know until we acknowledge and accept that we're not going to be able to do anything about it because by the time you actually are teaching these young people about pornography and its impact on people's lives potentially they they're they're already experts <laughs> like exactly. they could teach you about it so like you know yeah sure we can stick our head in the sand and pretend like it's not a nice thing to think about a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old engaging yeah. with pornography but we've got to deal with it but with these issues there's so much of that in ireland i think in all our countries as well but this notion of i don't agree with that that makes me really uncomfortable so i don't want to talk about it or teach children about it or anything like that it's like that's not really how it works like yeah when it comes to anything abortion was the same sex work is the same just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that we can ignore it and I think we've ignored it for too long so I have to give great credit to Norma Foley and especially Helen McEntee Mm -hmm. and the justice minister who this is all part of her gender violence plan yeah you know the rape crisis network was out already saying that they really welcomed it and they said you know sexual violence remains a persistent and widespread threat to young people Mm. um and that you know the normalization of sexual harassment is something that needs to be tackled and that can only be tackled with what young people are consuming and you know that is porn and you yeah know, macho kind of um society so yeah this yeah. is very good news yeah and just to be clear i i want to clarify on what i said there about statistics so the ispcc's annual report in 2016 said that children as young as six were viewing porn and another report in 2018, let me get this right, sorry, I want to make sure I'm accurate, said that 58% of young men reported seeing porn for the first time under the age of 13. So like, those are the facts, you know, and I would argue yeah. that, that that probably hasn't improved since 2018, to be honest. 
Anyway, look, there we are. It's great news that it's being dealt with in schools. And I hope that we, you know, I think as anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm sure who has children is planning on facing this head on as well at home. Mm. And, you know, if we have a joined up effort, I think we really can't change the dynamics, um, you know, of sex and relationships for people in Ireland. Even mm. more, back to your writing. I know. Back to misery. That was such good news I sang on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you are a superstar. I hope you have an absolutely, I can't even speak, wonderful day. Now, before we move on from news, I got an email during the week uh, from a representative from um, the uh, Terminations for Medical Reasons Ireland group um, who obviously support people who need to access terminations for medical reasons. And obviously we heard loads of great work from them during Repeal the 8th and that campaign. Um, And they are still campaigning to advocate for abortion access for people in Ireland who are seeking abortion for fetal abnormality or anomaly or maternal health reasons. And um, they do really important work. And we spoke a little bit last week about the fact that people in these situations are still being let down. And I think we were just a little bit murky about the kind of current situation for people who need to access terminations on those grounds. So I just want to read a little bit from the email that I got from them to make sure that everybody's on the same page because I was I would hate for someone to have listened to last week's episode and think that they can't access when they can or that um you know certain restrictions affect them which actually don't. So let's just be completely clear about this. Um, So this is what the email says. It says, as the legislation stands, there is no term limit for termination under fatal fetal anomaly grounds in Ireland. The 12-week limit does not apply, nor does the three-day wait period. Where the legislation lets us down is that the definition of fatal under the law is incredibly restrictive. Two doctors must agree in good faith that the fetus or baby is likely to die within 28 days of birth to qualify under the legislation. The threat of criminalization that hangs over the physicians often leads them to conclude that they must be certain that the baby will not survive past 28 days. This means that in practice, there is a short list of conditions that doctors are confident in describing as fatal. And outside of those conditions, there is only a very small chance of accessing abortion in Ireland. There is zero provision in the law for termination where the condition is not fatal. Another issue is the inconsistency in applying the law and the guidelines across maternity units and how much depends on what hospital and doctor the pregnant person attends. So I'm certainly a lot clearer on it. I hope that you are too. And I really, really appreciate um, Claire from TFMR Ireland for getting in touch and, and providing that clarification. Now though, let's move on. As I said, I got to have a very quick chat with Daisy Edgar Jones this week. She was absolutely lovely, I have to say. Um, it was my first time doing that kind of interview and we'll see, you know, how they work for the podcast. Like, you know, I do definitely need a little bit longer than I ended up getting, but I think it's nice to touch in every once in a while with a big star and especially someone who's involved in a film like this, which is based on a book that so many of us read. If you haven't read Where the Crawdads Sing, I would highly recommend that you read it before you actually see the film because the book is spectacular. And you know, sometimes if you see the film first, it can kind of dilute your experience of the book. It's set in um, the marshlands of Carolina and the lead character is a girl called Kaya Clark who grows up in a kind of isolated fashion in a small community in the 50s and 60s in America. It's such a good book. I really enjoyed the film, I have to say. And I was delighted to get a chance to speak to Daisy about her involvement in it. Have a listen to this. 
Hi Daisy. Hello. Um, first of all, I feel like we have to get it out of the way, and I'm sure other people have said this to you today, but I think we all feel like you're Irish. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Oh, that's the coolest thing. That is, that is, <laughs> I feel very chuffed about that. <laughs> well, I think we're super critical of anyone who ever plays an Irish character, and we're always listening for the mistakes in the accent, but you did such a flawless job of playing Marianne and normal people. I think we were like, okay, she's ours now. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that's lovely. Um, that experience must have been wild, because it was such a phenomenon and you became so famous so quickly how was that to kind of handle it was it was a very very strange time I mean I think it was strange because it was so wrapped up in 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 the pandemic for me and and obviously that was a strange experience for all of us so Mm. I think yeah I think it was just I think 2020 is definitely a year I'll never forget but I don't think any of us will so yeah it's just been very surreal yeah I actually hadn't thought about that because of course it's not like you were out at events or like you know out mixing in the world so it must have been kind of strange to know that you had this you know people had this awareness of you but we weren't actually out in the world kind of experiencing it totally it was and and I only knew that by by the messages I was getting or the things I could read online but I didn't have any actual real life experience so it was almost like playing a very strange sims game (laughs) (laughs) where it was kind of a this idea of something but I had no actual real life experience of what what it actually was and then when did you have your first kind of real life oh okay things have changed moment I really think it I think it was probably this year actually I mean I think actually landing this part was maybe one of those because before I probably I don't know if I'd have had the opportunity to be seen or you know um I knew that they'd seen my work and that was kind of how I how how I got to audition and and so maybe that maybe being on a sort of film of this scale was something where I was like this is wild but this year probably has been the most I've actually been able to experience um in real life kind of interactions with people who'd seen normal people and and everyone's been always very very nice so it is surreal but it's also really lovely to have those interactions Yeah, I I mean, I was going to ask, I presume making the decision in terms of what you're going to do after a project like Normal People has got to be kind of high pressure. I think, I think, I think it's sort of, after Normal People, I was sort of thinking about wanting to take this next few years as sort of my drama school and, and, and just trying to play characters I'd never played before and learn everything I could from every filmmaker I work with and I've been a I'm a big movie fan and I'm I'm very interested in how much a filmmaking can put a stamp on the feel of a project and wanting to kind of be directed by someone Mm. um I, I enjoy being directed so I think yeah that was kind of what I was seeking well this film I think is kind well I mean it's special for loads of different reasons but obviously first of all the book was such a phenomenal success and I'm one of those people who read the book and was like oh I really hope the movie's good do you feel that pressure when you're making a film that is coming after such a successful book there is definitely an added pressure because you know that people sort of have a a real um are very sort of married to their version of that character and I am the same when I read a book so um and it's really cool being a reader of the book and loving it and and coming onto set and seeing how a set designer has also envisioned uh, you know the Kaya's house or the costumer has envisioned her clothes and and it's quite fun to be a part of a shared idea of a book mm-hmm. <laughs> um but there is definitely an added pressure so all you can kind of hope I think is to capture the feeling of the story yeah. um, and the tone of it and and then also just accept it's going to be 
different to, to what, you know, it's always going to have a different feel to it as well. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things about this part as well is that obviously when you read the book, you're very much in Kaya's world, in her mind, and it's there's not a lot of dialogue because obviously Kaya's life is quite isolated. So you really had to use your face a lot uh, during the performance. How was that? Like, how do you even approach that? I do seem to do a lot of face acting. <laughs> I think that... Um, well, with scenes like that, I, I think that's always exciting when you read a script and and, and things aren't always over-explained. They're, they can just be felt. And, and actually, it's also a, um, respecting that an audience has... We are inherently very empathetic and we can read each other very well and allowing an audience to fill in that character's inner life mm. for, for them rather than them having to overly explain it all the time. Mm. And it's also fun because it's when you get to see... Um, all the different departments come together to, to tell or imbue a scene with a with a feeling. So I'll be doing my acting, my face acting. But then also, you know, if there's a camera up here, we can see that Kai is vulnerable. Or yeah. you know, if it's below, maybe she's in her power a bit more. And then the funds, you know, thing of how music adds a different feeling. So I love all the different elements kind of coming together to to create the scene. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I think you guys did such a great job of of putting the book on film, and I hope it's a huge success. Thank you. Thanks. Nice to meet. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Lots and lots and lots of entertainment happening this week, including that film, of course. And um, we had a lot to talk about. I was so excited to talk to Cassie this week because I haven't been watching Love Island, so I haven't been able to give you any Love Island content on the podcast. But Cassie has been bet into it, as she said, and there has been a lot of criticism of the series. So we got a chance to get into that. I got to tell Cassie all about the Broadway drama with Beanie and Leah and Funny Girl, which I just 
it's the drama mick i just love it um it's been so good and um, so we had loads to talk about so have a listen to this Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Podcasts. I am very excited to chat celebs this week. I know it's been a good week. Yeah. Recently, there's been some weeks of like just like bleak, really dark news or else stuff yeah. that isn't that exciting. But so much happened this week, starting with Jennifer Affleck. Oh my God, isn't it? It sounds nice, doesn't it? No. I mean, I'm sure he's done Jennifer <laughs> Affleck before, but it's... I'm not. I'm not into Jennifer Affleck. Is it not Jennifer Lopez Affleck? I Did don't not think keep, so. She dropped the Lopez. Uh, she signed her little like statement. Oh yeah, thing, Jennifer, Jennifer Lynn Affleck. Affleck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know why I love it? Because it's like a real life version of J Lo's hit movie marry me I still have not seen marry me I'm oh my sorry. god Louise, I know I'm you have to down. you have to um yes yeah, so this is great news they married 18 years after they postponed their first wedding in a little drive through in Vegas with the fam look thrilled I heard an interview from the uh, the worker in the chapel and she was like oh it was so exciting we were just about to close and they rocked up as a walk-in and they came in they got married and I was like surely that information should be confidential like surely <laughs> she should not be doing press interviews but like the excitement from everyone is great look, yeah because especially when you consider the context like they called off their wedding right before it happened it was supposed to happen 18 years ago mainly because of like pressure from the press and like the hoopla yeah. around the wedding or at least that's how the story goes so for them to then do the exact opposite and keep it so small and like just them I love it yeah I do I do truly believe that they are madly madly I do love. too yeah yeah and yeah. I'm delighted for them and I hope they grow old together and yeah. they laugh about their previous marriages except the one to Jennifer Garner because I would die for Jennifer Garner oh uh, same yeah. but I think it seems like they have have a good vibe ben yeah I think Jennifer it's fine and, and Jen was at home doing her little pretend cooking show while they were getting married Which and I was I like love. she's living her best life yeah he's living his best life with JLo everyone's happy now I am already looking forward to the film that tells the story of Ben and Jen oh my gosh yeah but like who could pay who could play Jennifer Lopez well we don't know them yet because it won't be for like another 20 years That's I don't it. think yeah, yeah like but in 20 years we'll be 45 and yeah. <laughs> 12. We'll be yeah. ready to watch this film. Um, it is a, it's a beautiful romance. I, I'm totally for it. I'm just not for Jennifer Affleck, personally. I just feel like, you know, J-Lo, your brand is strong. Why would you mess I'm with it? I'm not big on, on taking the names at all anymore. I'm like, you've got a strong name. You've built it out for yourself. Keep yeah. it. I mean, look, I think that everyone should do whatever they want to do. Isn't that like the point of feminism? Yeah. Um, no. Or combining the surnames, <laughs> which I think is a really fun game that you could play before your wedding as well. Yeah. Like, my, my partner's name is Second name is Ging and if we got married we'd be the house of Del Ging I mean stunning yeah and I instead wanted... of being like you're now married we want to introduce a new house is born yeah I meet love your it. mothers yeah we wanted to do that I know we we did not want to do that I wanted to do that in my family and um, because I thought you could take the Mac from Mac Shari and my husband's surname is Spearin and we could be the Mac Spearins yeah like, it's it such a, so grand it sounds so good and then we could all have the same name but no he wasn't up for it um Next and time. Fine. Next time. <laughs> Next time, exactly. Um, he'll love that. He'll love hearing me say that. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, please, happily ever after for Ben and Jen. They deserve it. Um, now, this next one, the, it's actually the next two stories are going to be interesting because one of them you're going to tell me and the other one I'm yeah. going to tell you because I have not been watching Love Island this year. I don't feel good about it. In fact, I have a lot of FOMO. I'm left out of jokes. I This is not a position I'm usually in. I make it my business to mm. know what people are talking about. But this year I was away when 
internet started for the first couple of weeks and I just yes. never got into it. So, so what's going on? Because there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of criticism this year. So it started off so strong. It seemed like a good group, good vibes, people matching up with each other. Uh, and what has emerged as it typically does in Love Island is the behavior of the boys is really unfavorable. So it's in some instances, it's full blown coercive controlling behavior from one contestant who's paired up with Michael Owens, daughter Gemma Owens, her partner Luca. They've exchanged I love yous and everything. We are watching that, seeing his reaction to certain situations being very, very controlling. At one point, um, you know, they do the mad movies night where they show previous clips. Yes. One of the best nights in the series, it's always. It's so toxic. Like, it's just... It's I know, so, but it's very it good is television. Very, very good television. So in one particular clip, there was another contestant, Billy, who was came in from Casa Amor. And Luca has accused Billy of flirting with Gemma, which is, you know, not on because Gemma is his property, the way he sees it. And in this clip, we saw Billy flirt with Gemma. Gemma very much kind of awkwardly in the arena of the flirting but certainly not flirting back and Luca's reaction was so incredibly toxic he was like fuck this I'm not speaking to her you know if she wants to play this down I'll go fucking mental like he was really 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 angry and it became very very clear that he was blaming Gemma for Billy's behavior then Billy went on this kind of tangent that look I wouldn't flirt with someone if I didn't feel there was something there and I was like excuse me what woman has not been in a bar where a man has approached and been very insistent and not picked up polite cues to leave us alone? Slash overt. Yeah. I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Or I'm in a relationship, which seems to be the only thing sometimes that some men will respond to is if you say, oh, no, no, I'm someone else's property. Yeah. (laughs) Even like, even I'm a lesbian or I'm gay or I'm queer. (laughs) Like they're still like, ah. Are you sure? Are you sure? There's a vibe You obviously haven't met the right man. It's like, absolutely not. Um, so it's been really it's been really difficult to watch. And in other instances, we've seen the guys call, you know, one contestant who left called his partner pathetic at one point. There's been a lot of like name calling, a lot of control, a lot of bad behavior. <laughs> you want to hear that? But I'll just... No, I'm not worried about it. There's a little dog in the room, guys. Little a little dog who is is digging an imaginary hole. So yeah. if you hear sounds in the background, that's what's happening. She's getting out of here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the beha- and, and then one of this was one of the key things as well. They brought back Adam Collard, who was on it in 2018. And he was... A horror. A horror and had prompted responses from Women's Aid and feminist charities around the UK to say that his behaviour is typical gaslighting. Please be aware of these signs. I think the interesting thing about Love Island is that we can all spot it now much easier. Mm. At the start, it felt like we were just people in our 30s watching young people falling in love. And we were like, Mm. that behavior is unacceptable and really, really bad. And they don't realize. But to see that the the watchers or the audience are responding to it and saying that it's also unacceptable is really... It's a really positive thing, I think. Yeah. But the fact that ITV still have these men on the TV night after night without any repercussion for their behavior is very, very damaging. Yeah, because look, I mean, I said like it's very good TV. I was kind of being facetious there because, you know, the thing that you have to remember is that there will be lots of the audience who are watching and who are saying, oh, that's, you know, not on and that's unacceptable. But then there will be men and women watching who who will, young men and women, mm. maybe watching on their own with no one else 
wants to say that's not cool or whatever who will look and say oh that's how relationships work or that's that's how the dynamic so between men dangerous. and women are I actually saw a TikTok the other day from a mother who was saying you know I'm interested she was kind of going I'm interested to hear what you think I watch Love Island with my children and mm-hmm. I think it's a really good thing because you my can point she, out yeah she had like a 14 and a 16 year old son and daughter and she was saying it means that we can have conversations about the behavior and she said it means I can see how my son responds to the men mm-hmm. and I can see kind of what he thinks is right and wrong and what I need to talk to him about and she yeah. was saying you know it organically kind of provokes these conversations that otherwise you'd have to sit down and have like an awkward conversation and talking about in hypotheticals and imaginary situations so yeah it is really good for that and it is interesting probably aren't watching with their mothers or fathers or someone who can say this isn't okay yeah i do think it's i have two younger brothers who are in their 20s and hearing their response to it is very heartening as well because they can spot it as being really bad and they're almost laughing at it they're like this is incredibly bad behavior this is absolutely yeah. toxic I cannot believe they're getting away with this which I'm I'm so glad because I'm like at least there are groups of lads like my younger yeah. brothers are lads lads yeah. you know sports mad guys and to know that their group of friends can see this as bad behavior is yeah. at least some reprieve from it well I think the thing is as well the thing with Love Island is that there's a lot of bravado because Mm. not only are these young men in situations dynamics with women that they might be with in the real world but they're also probably very hyper conscious of the fact that they're on tv their mates are watching and if you think about the way that a certain type of young man wants to impress his mates or the way he looks in his mate's eyes is like number one top tier most important thing i would imagine the idea of being not only you know on tv for your mates but for every other guy like you in the nation or you know even around the world is playing into the kind of sensitivity around ownership and um pride and all of that kind of stuff and that the women are prizes so it is it's a competitive program as well you want to get to the top and you want to win the 50k or whatever but the they have really positioned women throughout this entire series and throughout love island's history they've always positioned women as the sexual object to be won by Mm. the men and who's going to get who and once you have them then they're yours and that's your match and Mm. you you know you need to move through the competition like this and it's incredibly toxic the hypocrisy between how the boys behave and how the girls behave is incredible you know even last night one of the the Irish contestant Dammy was in the bottom he was sort of almost approached reviewing his behavior he was like have I done something wrong and instead of saying you know the, the fellow guys saying yeah well maybe you messed India around a little bit and the public didn't like that they were like no you're perfect you're fine you're absolutely grand it's Love Island it is what it is whereas when Tasha one of the contestants had was in the bottom they were like yeah well she had she was talking to too many guys she was mm. talking, you know, she messed yeah, Andrew around and that. Man and one it's just, women. yeah, it's incredible. What do you think ITV could do to do a be- to do better? I honest to God think they need to have a plant in there and they need to have a 30 something year old person who <laughs> sits in, who's Botoxed up to the gills to look yeah. younger. And it's like, this is not the way you behave. Yeah. I think it's a. It's, we need a Camilla. Yeah. I think it's a it's a toxic environment for them to be in where their behavior just constantly reinforces, you know, the other's behavior. It's just like the cyclical yeah. thing. And if there's nobody in there to challenge that, then they won't change. So I suppose the, a more diverse kind of group of people would, would have a positive impact as well. Because if a couple you've only of queers. got one type, oh, I mean, please. Yeah. If you only have one type of, of guy and one type of girl. Yeah then you're going to get that echo chamber effect, I suppose. Yeah, and they're very, very, very young, very inexperienced in relationships as well. So for them to go out there and think that these are normal, 
you know, young relationships is damaging because you're looking at it and you're like, oh God, the treatment you're going through now and what you're experiencing now is the stuff that's really going to impact you later in life when yeah. you go on to build grown up relationships. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's definitely going to be challenging for them. I'm okay. surprised ITV haven't stepped in yeah. and done something or changed the vibe. Yeah. You know, well, we'll see. Maybe next year we'll see changes. But then I feel like I say that every year. Yeah. Every year we hope for it. And next we still get movie night yeah. and Casa more. And I know I feel bad now for saying that movie night is entertaining. Um, OK, now I get to tell you a story. Yes. <laughs> OK, I have been living for this drama. And and I will say there are real people at the heart of it. And I, I'm trying to keep that in mind. And I, I do keep that in mind. Look, it's show but business, baby. It is the ultimate I mean it is like something out of the TV series Smash mm-hmm. which I absolutely loved so months ago Beanie Feldstein was announced to, as the star as Fanny Bryce in the revival of Funny Girl on Broadway mm-hmm. Funny Girl iconic film starring Barbara Streisand yeah. um, hasn't been revived on Broadway for decades so it's a huge deal that it's even coming back to Broadway yeah. everybody is delighted that Beanie Feldstein sister of Jonah Hill star of Booksmart this cutie patootie girl who everybody loves adore her is getting this huge opportunity to be the star of this yeah. production on Broadway we've seen her do like little bits of singing um, she's best friends with oh Ben Platt, is that his name? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was just a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars and he was in Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. So they're best friends. And they've and done... And Pitch Perfect. So we know he's yes, a singer, yeah. exactly. So they've done duets kind of here and there because mm-hmm. they're they're like lifelong best friends or whatever. So, you know, she could sing. We thought she could sing. The show opens. The reviews are not good. Yeah. Poor Beanie is effervescent, but she can't sing the part. Yeah. as well as you need to to be the star it's a of a big Broadway part. show it's a huge part don't rain on my parade hello yeah. that is not an easy song to sing so anyway the whole world is kind of like oh god poor Beanie like we love Beanie and there's a lot of kind of chat in Broadway mm-hmm. circles about what they're gonna do and rumors that she's gonna be recast and like yeah. but then because they were kind of snubbed at the Tonys as well there was only no, one not, yeah she didn't already. get any nominations yeah. so like yeah and, and the whole show by the way is not getting well reviewed it's not just about yeah. Beanie like there's there's good bits but like you know people are not loving this revival and obviously like millions of dollars have gone into it so mm-hmm. this is a business so anyway the vibe then comes out that like no okay they're keeping going they're just gonna push through with Beanie mm-hmm. um, and then Beanie announces that she's gonna be leaving the show she says I'm gonna leave the show in September um I can't remember what reason she gives, but she's like, I'm going to leave the show in September. And everybody's like, okay, yeah, yeah fine. And um, Jane Lynch, uh, Sue Sylvester from Glee, yeah. has also been in the show all this time. And she also announces that she's going to leave in September. Then rumors start. Who's going to replace Beanie? Mm-hmm. Because all along in the background, there has been this conversation about Leah Michelle, yeah. who obviously we know as... Rachel Barry. Thank you. Rachel Barry from Glee. I went back there for a second. I'm a Gleek. So in the background, people have been like from day one, from the announcement of Beanie's casting, people are like, oh my God, somewhere Leah Michelle is like throwing a phone at her assistant and smashing yeah. plates on the ground and like fuming because Leah Michelle Notorious. for her entire career has wanted to play yeah. Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl and on Glee, she obviously sang Don't Rain in My Parade. And Every chance yeah, she got. It yeah. was, it's a whole thing. And she, at one stage, Ryan Murphy had the rights to make Funny Girl into like a series for TV mm-hmm. or a film for TV and she was supposed to be Leah Michelle was lined up to play her like she's spoken about this publicly yeah so anyway she's wh- manifest <laughs> yeah so when you when it becomes clear that Beanie is leaving all of a sudden it's like is are they gonna could it be Leah Michelle 
So anyway, all of this is going around and the rumours start growing and growing that yes, it is going to be Leah Michelle, And then Beanie posts another announcement. She's not going to wait until September. She's yeah. going to be leaving in July. And everybody's like, oh my God, what happened? And everybody's like, it's got to be Leah Michelle. It's got to be Leah Michelle. So then the rumours get stronger and stronger. And then this article comes out. Some well-placed source has has given all the dirt. Mm-hmm. Turns out, Lee Michelle and Beanie Feldstein have the same agent. <gasps> I did not know this detail. Uh-huh. And Lee Michelle is getting the role of Bonnie Bryce on Broadway. And Beanie is leaving because she's like, absolutely fuck this. So there's been yeah. basically, you know... She, Beanie was getting the bad reviews and they were supportive, but then she was sick, she got COVID, she was off. Yeah. The producers were like really praising her stand-in and there was like a perception that they were being too generous and kind mm. about the stand-in. It was making Beanie look bad. And just basically this well-placed source basically said, I don't think we've treated her very well. Yeah. So Beanie comes out and is like, I'm going to leave in July. And, um, you know, then the official cast note comes out that Leah Michelle is taking over and Broadway world explodes. Mm. Um, and... Then poor Beanie gets sick. Oh no. <laughs> so she comes on her Instagram and I felt so sorry for her. And she's like, guys, and her voice is all husky. She's like, I have tonsillitis. I can't perform. Because she week. tried. Yeah. She just gave it. She tried sucks. so hard. She did nothing wrong. Like it's yeah. not her fault that she just doesn't have what yeah. she needs for this role. And she obviously auditioned for yeah, it. She shouldn't have been cast in the first place. Multiple people were yeah, like, exactly. yes, fine. So anyway, she's like, she goes, when it rains, it pours, I guess. And you just like, your heart breaks for her. Yeah. Um, but then, so so that's the drama with Beanie and Leah Michelle. Leah Michelle, obviously, never been happier. Dreams Thrilled. come true, blah, blah, blah. But what's really interesting as well is that Jane Lynch then comes out and says, I'm actually going to be leaving on, yeah. in July as well. And what, what actually happens is Jane Lynch's leaving night is the night before Leah Michelle starts. Oh, everyone's going to be hungover. Well, the rumor is that Jane Lynch had it in her contract that she wouldn't work with Leah Michelle. But I believe that because because obviously Leah Michelle has this really bad reputation for treating people poorly. Everybody from Glee has come out and said and particularly Naya Riviera's autobiography she just laid it all out and she was like Leah Michelle is not a nice person she's terrible to work with there was accusations of racism she was ableism ableism bullying everything and there's reasons we don't see Leah because Leah Michelle has probably one of the best voices for this kind of amazing this kind of role for this kind of arena she's up there with you know, I, I, Adina Adina Manzel, yeah, yeah, who just plays her mother in Glee as well. Yeah. Like, so she's, she's incredibly talented. There are reasons we don't see Leah Michelle on the TV. Well, this is the thing that everybody's saying is that she has a good team because we, like, what people think is that she was advised to just stay away for a couple of years. She stayed away for a good few years, just mm. didn't rear her ugly head, had a baby, and now here she comes and she's going to be amazing. And Cassie, the PS to resistance is. Guess what I did back when this was announced, the whole musical was announced. I was like, I'd like to see Beanie Feldstein on Broadway. I'm going to New York. I bought tickets. Oh, my God. Are you going to see Leah? I'm going to see Leah Michelle. Oh, my God. I'm so jealous. Like, it's going to be incredible. I was going to sell the tickets, to be honest. When I read the reviews, I was like, oh, I'll pick something else. Because I'm only going to get to see one show when I'm in New York. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to be there. It's going to be incredible. Like, she's definitely the right person for the role. But everyone around her hates her. It's wild. Although my favorite, my favorite Leah Michelle adjacent 
internet gossip thing is the theory that she can't, she can't read. read. Yeah. <laughs> because when they did the cast announcement, all the comments were like, is someone going to read the script to her? Yeah. Or like, who's going to help her? But she can't read. It's like T minus six weeks yeah. for her to learn every I word know. off because she can't read. If it's you haven't heard, theory. if you haven't heard the Leah Michelle can't read thing, uh, give it a little Google. Very but yeah, apparently like she's going to be rehearsing in a different building. Like she's not even going to be in the theater at the same time as Beanie yeah. and Jane. Anyway, Poor Beanie. Beanie's going to be fine. She just got engaged to her longtime partner. Like, yeah. Beanie is super talented. She had she, an amazing she's film and television for career film before. And TV. Exactly. Yeah. She doesn't need to worry about it. But I think, I really feel for her. She's she's certainly going through it right now. But at least anyway. everyone's on Beanie's side. Exactly. No one is excited no, no. for... Everybody's like, poor Beanie. Yeah. But like, no, no harm, no foul. And at least Beanie can read. Exactly. <laughs> okay, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, I just felt like the drama. I just love the no, drama. Thank Nick. you for that. I had it was to, great. Yeah. I had to bring it in. Um, so Kylie Jenner. Oh, we've got to talk about Kylie Jenner and her total lack of self awareness, taste, and tact. But I mean, they must become a point where you are so rich that you just stop knowing what current affairs are well, I and think what's as going well, on in the she's world. she's always been so rich, yeah. her perception of what's reasonable is completely messed up. Yeah, they just they just do not care about the rest of the world. So Kylie Jenner's under criticism this week for um, there's been some flight logs on her pli- private jet. Now, they're very careful to say we don't know whether she was on this, but the flight logs for her private jet routinely show the jet taking three-minute flights, 35-minute flights, um, you know, just really short trips. That could where be is a three-minute flight? Like, where are you going on three I, in three minutes? It must be like Dublin to Kildare. Like, what is it? It's insane. Take a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. But she's she's uh, the, the plane, and then she had a picture where she tweeted um, a picture of her private jet and Travis, and saying, you know, do you want to take yours or mine? Indicating that they had two private jets, and we know that the Kardashians have a rake of jets and whatever yeah. else, and they just don't do commercial airlines like. They're never on a rare flight. But the thing flight. is, like, I'm willing to accept you don't do commercial airlines. Like, I, it's obviously not good. It would be better if everybody, when you were going on a plane, you were going on a plane with 200 other people. Like, yeah. that would be better, obviously, in, for the environment. But I will accept that at a certain level of fame, it's going to be tricky and you are flying at irregular times and it might not be realistic for you. Fine. But, like, why can't you share a plane? Yeah. Why does Kim have to have her own plane? Yeah. Why does Kylie have to have her own plane? Why does Travis have to have his own plane? They like, all it's go ridiculous. To, like, when they all go to fashion, week in New York they all take their own individual plays it's crazy like, just because their schedules don't line up I think they need a good calendar um, manager but yeah it's really it's really really bad to see and then to try and make herself more relatable this week she went on a shopping spree in Target so it's like I am like you I flew my private jet to Target and I bought things here with my kids but what annoyed me about the Target thing even was that like she in the Target video, she was like with Stormy and True, who's Chloe's daughter. Mm. Stormy. And they she was like, haha, they don't they don't want to buy bowls. And then they like went, she had a little clip of the girls looking at toys. And then she just showed this absolutely chock a block yeah. conveyor belt of toys. Like like f- so many toys, hundreds and hundreds of, of euro yeah. or dollars worth of toys. And I was just like, even that is gross. Like, yeah. you know, it's just the constant excess, like the amount of money that you're spending. Like Bill Gates came out this week and, and recommitted himself to basically 
giving away all of his money before yeah. he dies like putting all of his money back into trying to make the planet a better place yeah. like and then you've got a billionaire like Kylie Jenner you know flying for 30 minutes or like you know someone's flying for 30 minutes on her plane you know your plane or mine and like it's let's just buy all so the toys. It's, it's gross it is gross and it's so it's just so awful to see that they're the bill- and to wonder how these shitty people became billionaires in the first place well the thing is I would argue that Kim, Chloe, Courtney is, I have my own issues with Courtney. Kim and Chloe at least are smart enough to take interest in things that are not just about themselves. Social issues, you know, and they have done episodes on like homelessness and Planned Parenthood and, you know, women's health care. And obviously Kim has done amazing work. There's no denying it in terms of, you know, incarceration of black men, you know, unreasonable incarceration of black men in the the US and stuff like that. No getting away from that. Mm. But Kylie, there's no redeeming feature. There's no like, what is she doing? She's doing nothing that we know of. And, you know... Frankly, if she's doing it privately, she needs to start making it public. It's okay. just to offset, yeah, her 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 horror. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and finally, uh, just a little digestif for us. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Our little Miriam Margoyle. We lo- like Margulies. Margulies. Sorry. No, but I like Margoyle because it rhymes with gargoyle. I was just thinking of Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> she she is just the internet's gem. She's just fabulous. You know, she just pops up every now and then with either like a solid one liner life advice or a funny story. She was doing this interview this week and she was asked, is there any people that she'd worked with she didn't particularly like? She briefly forgot Arnold Schwarzenegger's name and then remembered and was like, yeah, I don't really like him. He wasn't very nice. He farted in my face. So I believe it. Well, believe believe it. And I'm grateful to her for bringing us that piece of information. Yeah. And I can imagine how acrid that steroid fart would have been oh Jesus Cassie yeah I hope you're not eating your breakfast leave you on that Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Podcast Production Uh, check out Creep Dive check out Before Brunch those are two of Cassie's podcasts both brilliant both completely different Before Brunch you get to hear Cassie and Megan talk about like current issues and also media and all that kind of stuff it's very intelligent thank you and then in the Creep Dive you get to listen to Cassie, Jen and Sophie talk about gross things yeah things that you it's not always gross you know sometimes it's just Mm. weird (laughs) thank you Louise you're welcome So we're nearly done for the week. I thank you so much for listening. But before I go, a couple of recommendations. Um, First of all, I actually meant to recommend this a couple of weeks ago, but it's still, you know, I think worth mentioning. This American Life is obviously one of the most successful podcasts um, in the entire world. And there's no doubt that lots and lots of people have heard of it. I listened to it obsessively uh, years ago and then I kind of dipped out of it. But my husband suggested that I listen to this particular episode and I'm really glad that I did. It's episode number 700. It's the pink house at the center of the world. And it is an episode that was recorded in and around the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, I actually found it quite emotional to listen to. The, The opening section of the podcast is in an abortion clinic as the news of the overturning of Roe v. Wade happens. So women are literally turned away and the staff of the clinic are 
understandably panicking and it's very moving to be honest I found myself I was driving and I was in I had to pull over I was in absolute floods of tears because it is just so devastating to think of the lives that are going to be adversely that have already been I'm sure and are will continue to be adversely affected by this um but it was a a really really good um episode that stuff was was really moving but then they also talked about some of the underground and grassroots roots work excuse me that's going on to try and support women across America so if you're interested in that I definitely would give it a listen. As I said, it's episode 774, The Pink House at the Centre of the World. In completely different news, if you want a film to just kind of sink into and enjoy, it won't take a lot of your brain power. It's very beautiful. The people in it are gorgeous. Can I recommend Persuasion on Netflix? I've seen some kind of lukewarm reviews for it, but it's, it's, very enjoyable like it's not going to win any awards I don't think but I don't think every you don't need every film you watch to be potentially award-winning it is of course based on the Jane Austen book Uh, Dakota Johnson is in it and she is just really charming in it I have to say Um, and it's just such an enjoyable watch like if you like a bit of period drama this has a good sense of humor about itself I, I loved it one hour and 47 minutes it's not too long Love it. It's on Netflix, as I said. It's called Persuasion. And um, yeah, if you're getting your gals together or if you're just going to sit down with a cup of tea, if you manage to swing a couple of hours to yourself, then I highly, highly recommend because it is very, very enjoyable. So there you go. That is all from me this week. Thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. And I, I can't stress it enough. I so appreciate it. I really appreciate everyone who comes up and says hi to me. I actually want to apologize because um, last week at the um, Trans Pride, Trans and Intersex Pride March, I was there with my two kids and one of my sons was... <sighs> He was having a moment, let's just say, the entire time we were there. And we actually had to abandon ship about halfway through the march. Um, and that's just, you know, sometimes that's how parenting goes. But it means I was a bit distracted. And and some of you lovely people came and introduced yourself to me. And I don't feel like I was able to kind of give you the time or attention that you deserve. So apologies if you felt like I was a bit kind of all over the place if we met last weekend. I really do love meeting you guys. And I so appreciate you listening. Um, as I always say, if you haven't, if you feel like rating reviewing make sure you're subscribed tell a friend it all really helps me so that I can keep doing this and hopefully in the near future do even more anyway there you go I've waffled on enough I hope you have a really lovely week and if it can't be lovely I hope you just get through it and tomorrow is a new day and I will talk to you all next Friday Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.